joining us now is Rick Wilson, a political consultant based in, in North Florida. Uh, thank you for joining Hunkering Down with Peter Schorch. Hey, Peter, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. You know, we're, we've got a uh, we've got a, a an impending catastrophe, but uh, we all try to just keep and maintain an even strain, as they used to say. <laughs> I thought I saw you say something pretty. Um, you said something about, "Hey, you know what? I've got eight acres to walk around right now," and so pretty much, <laughs> it's kind of throwing you in the briar patch. I would imagine telling you that you got to hunker down and um, be at the Wilson compound and cook good food and have good, I'm sure you're all stocked up with everything a person could need, right? I've got a chest freezer full of, uh, full of delicious meats. Um, I've got, uh, I'm well stocked in every regard, uh, including ammo. So I feel like I'm prepared for the, uh, for the Corona apocalypse. What do you, uh, how would you, for those folks who don't know you and increasingly there are less and less of those people, uh, how would you describe your, uh, your day job and who you are? Well, for about 30 years, I was a Republican consultant and ad maker and, and, and public affairs guy. Um, in 2015, I was one of the first folks to come out on the Republican side and say that I thought Donald Trump was a, a danger to the country. And, uh, and sort of one of the OG never Trump guys. Um, in the meantime, I've written two uh, New York Times bestsellers, uh, one called Everything Trump Touches Dies, which has sort of become a rule of American politics. Uh, and the other one is my current book, uh, Running Against the Devil. And both of them have done very well. So uh, these days I'm more of an author and commentator. Um, and, and, and I've sort of transitioned from being uh, a Republican to being an iconoclast. I'm, I'm one of the founders of the Lincoln Project, which is a group of conservatives uh, who oppose Donald Trump. And uh, and so, you know, my day job is a, a lot of it is sitting down to to write. And although now it's not just television ads, now it's uh, it's some bigger picture stuff as well. Uh, let me ask you from from the political standpoint. Um, let's assume, and I know that's dangerous with this kind of situation. But that it is as bad as we think it is. It's going to be, but it's not cataclysmic. So it is Italy, basically over here, um, and so it is. It is a very bad situation for a couple months. It is devastating to the economy, but it is not the end of the world. How does Trump survive that politically? Well, look, Donald Trump is Donald Trump is is a guy with a lot of survival skills. And a guy with a lot of, of sort of wily, crafty kind of, of, of you know, rats jumping off the sinking ship behavior. Um, because of that, you never count the guy out, um, but but you never also want to take it too lightly about the impact of something like this. And and frankly, you know, Donald Trump finally ran into an opponent he couldn't tweet out of business. Yeah. He finally ran into an opponent that doesn't care what they say on Fox News every night. He finally can't run into an opponent that, does, that isn't afraid of his rallies and his followers. And, and because of that, um, he's been very overmatched. And we've seen now, Peter, the delta between the reality TV show character that Donald Trump sold America and the actual Donald Trump in, in the current moment. And that's not a pretty picture. He's... Um... 
is he overmatched or incompetent? And I know I know this is an easy answer for you, but uh, what is the what is his major failing here? Like there, uh, you know, well, watching the press conference today, the way he went after Peter Alexander, that sure. was terrible. His but it's I will say it seems like he has he's definitely pivoted for the better now and has acknowledged that it is that this is a, a BFD. But well, still yeah. is him. But but six weeks ago, saying this is a BFD, let's take precautions, let's get ready. Six weeks ago, he looked at this as a short-term political gain because he's going to say, "I'm going to close the borders to the to the insidious Chinese. They're the ones, and that'll fix the problem." Well, the problem was always going to be bigger than that, and everyone was warning about that. CDC and WHO and everyone else. And so he spent six weeks trying to spin this for his own political benefit, you know, and that was everything from I've got this under control to it's already petering out to it's just the flu to it's a hoax. All these things that Trump was trying to spin um, when all the professionals were in the background screaming, oh, my God, shut up, stop talking. Let's do these things, which we didn't do. And so every minute that the isolation and the social distancing didn't happen, uh, posed a real threat. And, and I, I, I mean, one of my hobbies outside of politics and firearms and aviation is infectious diseases. I, I, I freakishly have read a lot about them over the years. And, and all I could think of was, was, you know, everyone always says, though, no, this isn't the one, this isn't the big flu, this isn't the bad disease, this isn't the one that's going to get us every year. But, you know, eventually with the, the, our number was going to come up and it's starting to come up. So, you know, just saying now, oh, it's fine, uh, you know, it's still mitigated. It doesn't mitigate the, the, the prior six or seven weeks. And it doesn't mitigate the fact that even now he's still lying to the American people very vigorously in these press conferences. You know, today he's giving people hope for chloroquine, which Dr. Fauci looked like he was going to sink into the floor when Trump was going off about it today. Dr. Fauci had a very bad day um, and, and not being able. He has a terrible poker face. Um, terrible poker face. Let me okay separate out your criticism of Trump, of which I agree with about ninety percent. But let's talk China. Um, do you? Is there a place here where we still? I don't want to say blame China, but we that we recognize that they are a strategic enemy or competitor, and that you know that they are going to be coming out of this. I don't know. I mean, is this their begin? I mean, is this truly the beginning of the 21st century of China and their dominance? Because they are going to be in Iran, helping them get back on their feet. They are going to be in Italy, helping them. I I, I had Mike Waltz on the other day, and I know he's 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 pretty uh, to the right of me, but it just it seems like there is room for criticism of China here in what has gone on. Am I just am I buying into the? The Fox News angle a little bit too well, much there, look, or look, uh, debating, calling it the Wu flu or the Kung flu or the Chinese disease or whatever they want to call it, that doesn't help one American get a test. It doesn't help one American get on a respirator when they're going to need one. They're going to need them. It doesn't help one American get a hospital bed. Yeah, not not one of those things helps anybody here right now. You want to litigate China? I'm I'm a fierce critic of authoritarians, and China is an authoritarian country. I don't care um, for their form of government one little bit. I don't I don't like crony co crony communism at all. Um, but none of those things right now solve a single problem for a single American. 
And and getting into that stupid culture war battle that Trump wants to get into doesn't help people in this country right now. You want to litigate China? Fine. Let's do it when this thing is passed. Want to litigate how we, you know, uh, how we deal with them? Great. Let's I'm I'm more than willing to have that conversation all day long. But 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 as a distraction from Trump's from from Trump's lack of due diligence and from Trump's you know, mismanagement of this crisis for six, seven weeks. Um, I'm not going to play that ball game with him. Let's um, downshift a little bit here uh, amongst your hobbies. Um, give us, you know, give the audience three or four things here. What should they be watching right now? A lot of people are at home, you know, so much so that, you know, Netflix is having to throttle Europe's uh, consumption <laughs> level so that we, you know, we don't crash the inter- internet together. What's good out there to watch? What's something good for people to read? What should people be doing right now? You know, I, I mean, people people should be, on the one hand, you know, they should keep an eye on the realities of the situation. They should keep, you know, they should watch the news, but don't sink into it so much that it's all you watch. I mean, I have a friend who, who, who told me the other day, he goes, I had to take a breather because I, I realized I had watched something like 18 hours in a row of CNN mm-hmm. and MSNBC, mm-hmm. and it was and he goes and I, I, I my heart was pounding, and and so you know, look watch the news watch the watch the the the, the big picture developments. I, I don't think necessarily that the presidential press conferences are doing all that much to inform. I think they're a lot more heat than light, um, but I, I encourage folks to you know make sure you're following what's happening in your state and your community. That's what's really more important in a lot of ways right now, because let's be honest, there's a degree to which we're on our own and, and how, and you know, how, how the state of Florida responds and how Tallahassee, where I live responds and how, you know, St. Pete and how Tampa and Orlando, all these other places, how how they start to deal with this is going to decide in the next few days, whether this looks like something very, very, very bad, or just something that is terrifyingly horrible. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean to think of it this way, but I will say I feel kind of good uh, around here. I've got two decent sheriffs, Cronister and Goltier. Yeah, you do. You I sure got do. A, a 29-year a 29 year police vet, uh, former police chief as mayor of Tampa. I've got Christman, and I disagree with what Christman does, but I will, uh, on a political sense, I, but I do feel like he will over-try here. And it's not like he's going to nobody. He's not going to. Um, I forget uh, the uh, the mayor of uh, New Orleans during uh, Katrina. Um, yeah. He he's not going. He will do everything he can. He will ban everything. He will regulate everything. But in it, I will feel like there is some sort of governmental response. Um, but you're right. Yeah. You're the most important person in our in in most Floridians' lives right now is whoever their sheriff is. Um, That's right. That's right. They will and, and- be. You know, you're you're absolutely right. And and look, the sheriffs are going to do a lot with very few resources. People do not understand how thin on the ground sheriffs and law enforcement is really in this state. They don't understand it. And and those folks are going to be tapped out and the EMS folks are going to be tapped out and the firefighters are going to be tapped out. And it is important (laughs) that as citizens right now, we try to minimize the things that are going to go wrong for them in this state. Yeah, and you that, know, part, one of the things that I, I, not that my donation was any big, but one of the things I did try to raise money for this week is is CASA, the uh, Domestic Violence House. And sure, our, sure. Because there are going to be a lot of asshole men 
trapped and cooped up with their women in situations and there will be some women that are like that as well but there are going to be a lot of bad domestic situations that are going to be put into yeah. this pressure cooker and and sheriff's deputies aren't going to be able to respond as quickly and and that's the real um the real sad part about it give me one uplifting note other than uh, i want to check how your family's doing because i know you're and i still i tell you i blame you partially karmatically because of the amount of money that I'm investing in Biscuit, our horse down there. I remember you were the first person to say it. I think I put out a tweet like three years ago and you said something like, you know, it was some like proverb, uh, nothing is poorer than the rich man who buys a horse or something like that. And um, I will tell you, I mean, it's just every time I see, I open up the, the, the bank account and it's, um, you know, tack and horse show and uh, oh, this yeah. and that. It's just not one. I mean, this horse lives better than I do. And now here's the thing: I got to worry about this. I got to worry about this horse. You know, through all of this, like, uh, you know, this doesn't shut down. We've got to go out to the stable to make sure that biscuit, because nobody's sure. going to be there for biscuit now. And so I've got to try and convince you know the roadblocks in three weeks that I got to go take care of our horse on the other side of town. Um, well, Peter, Peter, as we're speaking, <laughs> as we're speaking, the bed of my pickup truck is filled up with hay. So, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I have been to this, I've been to this particular rodeo uh, and luckily we're down from the, the, the all time peak was at one moment we were a five horse family and that was, um, really quite, um, uh, more than I could imagine. And, uh, but in the old days being a Republican media consultant was a really good gig. But with five horses, you're not rich. <laughs> no, yeah. um, but but they yeah, eat look, a lot. <laughs> all right, they so go ahead. Eat a lot. Tell but me, your family doing okay family, through all this? Family's family's great. Um, my son's law school admissions are. We're waiting on those, but we think it's all been blown up from COVID for right now. Yeah. Uh, my daughter is up in Nashville, where she lives now. Uh, she is working from 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 home. She had a hurricane two weeks ago, and now she's got. Uh, you know, th now they've got quarantine, so uh, she's doing fine though, and uh, and and you know everything else is running you know fairly smoothly. Um, we're stocked up, we're tooled up, and you know it, it. It's just a matter now, I think, of 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 finding ways that that we can get through this and try to reboot the economy in the state after it's done, and and try to reboot, um, you know all the structures that are going to be when this disease fades in the, in the late spring, early summer, we've got to spend those couple of months, the hot months getting ready for it to come back in October, November, uh, as a state and as a nation. So, uh, you know, I'm just trying to keep, trying to keep that in perspective that it may, it may, it may drop down a little bit. It may come back. So we've got a real, a real challenge ahead, I think as a state. Well, there, you know, I was telling people there, you know, there for every uh, person who is losing money, there is a Bobby Axelrod uh, out there, um, you know, make getting ready to make money on the other side of this, or at least pe put people back to work. I'm going to let you go and get back to doing your good stuff. Uh, Rick Wilson, the man with the most powerful Twitter account in Florida. I put out an image uh, about an hour ago, which you retweeted. And um, there goes my timeline for the rest of the night. And so, <laughs> well, by the way, and by the way, just as a quick aside, Mike Hill is a jackass for doing this, and this is not good leadership. So, by the way, if you want something else on Twitter, just right now, uh, the pop, uh, the pictures from 
Andrew Gillum's hotel room were just picked up by the Daily um, or by the Ma- Daily Mail. So we just tweeted that out. So maybe I'll get a, a, a double dip from Rick Wilson and I'll never see my Twitter account again. Thanks, fans, yeah. for coming on. And Thank be you, good. brother. You guys stay safe. Hope the fans great. Talk Thank to you. Soon. you. Bye. Bye-bye.